Hi friends, this is Melanie. So we had a brief little snafu with Jen's audio for about half of this episode, but don't worry, the audio is crystal clear halfway through and then everything will be back to normal next week. I also have one other announcement. As you likely know, the re-release of the What When Wine Diet, which is called What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, is now available to pre-order on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. If you read the original book, this version is about 80% new content, and it has 50 amazing gluten-free recipes by celebrity chef Ariane Resnick. But I have a special offer for listeners of our podcast. If you pre-order that book and send a picture of your receipt to preorder at ifpodcast.com, I'll send you a few fun things. First, I'll go ahead and send you the holiday recipes from the book. So that is a turkey with apple cranberry chutney, a root veggie mash, which is sort of like mashed potatoes without potatoes, a pumpkin pie, and a paleo pie crust recipe. And those are all just amazing. They also have wine pairings with them as well. You'll also get access to an online quiz to figure out your perfect IF approach. That'll be available starting November 13th. And then lastly, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a phone or a Skype call with me. So that'll be super fun, and I would love to talk to you. So yes, please pre-order that book and send a copy of your receipt to pre-order at ifpodcast.com. All right, thanks so much. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 30 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. 
And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalonsCloset.com to sign up free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to 
only use beauty counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the environmental working group. What really sets beauty counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty counter goes above and beyond rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 30 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And Jen, it's episode 30. I feel like that's another milestone. I know. It does feel like that, doesn't it? Like 30. (laughs) The decades. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So how are you today? I'm doing fine. How about you? Anything new going on in your life? Two things. Weather-wise, it got real cold real fast. Oh, yeah. For you too? Oh, yeah. I was like freezing. I was just sitting around like shivering and I was like, why am I so cold? And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like it though. Well, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm a summer kind of girl. But, um, you know, it's funny, though. Here I'm sitting here in Georgia complaining about the cold and people in the intermittent fasting groups are like, yeah, it snowed here today where I live. And I'm like, "Okay, I can't complain. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of difference. It is. Okay, And then I was going to talk about something I've been experimenting with recently. Oh, that sounds fun. (laughs) Have you ever tried red light therapy? Okay. No, I have not. What's it for? I've read about it, but I can't remember what I've read. Tell me. So it's basically related like infrared saunas. Are you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yes. I, now I remember where I've heard about it. I have a friend who, um, who has, has one that she's built, like she's built herself a infrared sauna using homemade things. Yeah. So, um, I've been wanting to get, well, I've been wanting to get an actual infrared sauna because you can buy like contraptions that are a couple hundred dollars you sit in. Right. But I was like, I don't know if I want to commit to, (laughs) that's like a a big commitment, but you can actually buy these infrared bulbs and they're like 20 something dollars on Amazon. And then you get, you also buy a special clamp hookup Thing. That's yeah. That's exactly what she, oh, okay. she did. She had the clamps. She had the red lights. She's a Facebook friend. We've been friends for a long time in the same like diet communities. But she swears by it. Yeah, it's it's so cool. I've actually been doing it for for months, and I've been wanting to talk about it on the podcast. But I was like, I need to just keep keep playing with it and see how it goes. But I really like it. So basically, long story short, red light is very healing, and we're not exposed to it as much anymore with all of our modern light and 
our indoor lifestyles and just craziness. So you can buy specific red light bulbs. The one I'm using is called Thera Bulb. I'll put a link to it on the website. But basically the red light, it stimulates healing. It regenerates the metabolism. It can stimulate hair growth as well. It can benefit the thyroid and it's really warm. That's how it relates to being cold. <laughs> so yeah. Well, that, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll have to look into that again because my friend was trying to get me to build one and I was doing something else, you know, at the time and I was I'm like, I don't have time to build a, <laughs> a homemade sauna. But... <laughs> she, so she probably did like the curtains or like the whole contraption thing. I think she did. Okay, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a big commitment. I just have the bulbs right now. Like I said, I've been doing it for months, but I felt like today was the day to talk about it because it's cold and they're warm, <laughs> but they are very healing. Specifically, what benefits have you noticed like that you can credit to it? Anything? So this is all going to be purely anecdotal and it's hard to tell. Right. It does seem to stimulate hair growth. I've been doing it some directed towards my hair and I actually read a study on red light and hair growth and it is super effective compared to placebo. And then it just, it makes me feel really good. I just feel like it's really healing. So right. we'll yeah, we'll see. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I, I made the mistake of purchasing the the really intense bulb first because I was like, I'm going to go big. But now I suggest for listeners, if you try this, to go with the lower dose and then bring the, the bigger one because you feel it. You turn it on and then you start like detoxy type symptoms. You can really feel it. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting. Well, that is so interesting. Thank you for sharing. And I would probably enjoy it as it gets colder because I like to be warm. You probably would. I showed it to my mom the other day and she's like, oh, it's so warm. I'm going to get some. Yeah. Yeah. So for listeners, I will put a link to the bulbs and the clamps and the craziness if you want to jump on the crazy red light train with me. <laughs> so you can go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like and I will put a link there. So yeah, that's my tangent for the day. Well, fabulous. Anything from you before we get started? No, I've had a pretty boring week and that was okay. Just normal. Normal. <laughs> School, yeah. School's going on. Oh, it's Halloween almost for us. It's about to, yeah, about to be Halloween, although when people are listening, it will have already passed. So on Halloween, our kids dress up and wear their costumes to school. So um, I already know I'm going to be tired that day. <laughs> oh, I bet. I miss trick-or-treating. Uh, well, there is nothing like being around a bunch of children on the day of Halloween and, and the day after and the whole week after it, to be honest. <laughs> All the candy. Uh, yeah. I shudder. And they try to sneak it around and they have it. And you're like, hello, everyone. Candy is not a snack. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I hope everybody had a wonderful Halloween. Right. Since we're in the future now. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we jump into today's questions? Yes. Let's get started. So to start things off, we actually have three listener questions all related. So I will read those. So the first question comes from Ruth and the subject is pink Himalayan salt. And Ruth says, hi, Jen and Melanie, love your podcast. Keep up the great work. I'm wondering about pink Himalayan salt. Is it healthier than table salt? I read conflicting information. I haven't purchased any yet and wonder if it would be a good addition to my supplements or not. Right now, I take magnesium glycinate, vitamin K2, and vitamin D3. Should I add it to my diet? Thanks, Ruth. All right, so that's question number one. Question number two comes from Sandra, and the subject is clean fasting. And Sandra says, 
Hi, Jen and Melanie. Sandra here from Australia. Oh, Australia. I don't know if we've had a, I mean, we could have had an Australia reader. I'm not sure. She says, I know you've spent a lot of time on clean fasting already, and I get what clean and not clean is. Common sense, really. <laughs> However, there is one question that I keep wondering about due to some health issues. My body struggles to absorb water. I drink a lot more than most people, and my body is basically dehydrated for most part of the day. A simple solution to it is actually to put a tiny bit of Himalayan rock salt in my water as my body then absorbs water, as per my kinesiologist's recommendation, and I have seen it work. The question is, would the salt in the water break the fast? Thank you. Regards, Sandra. All right, that's question number two. Question number three comes from Val, and the subject is Himalayan pink salt crystals in water. And Val says, Hi ladies, love, love, love your podcast. I've been doing IF for two months now and am so ecstatic about all of the results I've been seeing since starting. Your podcast has been a great resource for me and it's so educational. Thanks to your recommendation, two weeks ago I started making my fast clean. For me that meant no more bulletproof coffee. You were totally right about how much better I feel now that I fast with only black coffee and water. My question is, I've heard a lot of people talk about adding Himalayan salt to warm water and drinking it in the morning for cleansing purposes. What are your thoughts on this? Have you done it or seen any research on it? Thanks so much, Val. And I will say, uh, before we jump into answering this, I just finished reading The Salt Fix. That's why these questions are all now popping up because <laughs> I have all these salt info. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Well, I'm gonna, I'll talk about it very, very briefly, and then I look forward to hearing your more in-depth Alrighty. Information. I have not finished reading that book yet. I've got like a bunch of things I'm in the middle of. So oh, I'm reading a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So um, I haven't read the whole book. But basically, I think we are at the point where we know that we've been a little bit misled over the years about the fact that salt is like terrible, terrible for us and that we do need salt and also other minerals in our bodies. Instead of like being super afraid of salt, we actually need it to be healthy. So the questions are all about um, Himalayan salt and whether that's good for us and, and what we know about the Himalayan salt specifically. I'm going to go first to Sandra's question. Does it break the fast? No, it does not. Minerals do not break the fast. If you're just taking the minerals, you know, like drinking mineral water, for example. And um, we don't believe that that those things break the fast because they're, you know, dissolved particulates that are in the water. And even, you know, tap water is going to have dissolved particulates in it. Water is not completely, you know, pure. So don't worry about your water, your, your, um, the, the minerals from the rock salt, the Himalayan salt in your water and the minerals breaking your fast. You know, we drink mineral water. We, some people add trace minerals to their water. People add the Himalayan salt to their water. That is all fine during the fast. Now, um, going back to Ruth's question, she said she's read conflicting information about it. And I was curious about what she meant there. And, maybe meaning like, is it good for you or is it bad for you or whatever? I do think that it it's it's a healthy salt and it's what I personally use. It's not the only healthy salt. I've done a lot of reading also about Celtic sea salt. And I think that 
any of these natural salts are going to be better for you than just, you know, the, the kind that we might have grown up with, you know, the Morton's table salt with the girl with the umbrella. That's what my mother always bought. And that's what we always used. And that salt has been a lot more highly processed. And they when they highly process salt, they take out some of the things that were in there um, that actually were, were good for us and we didn't realize it. So I think that when you're using a natural salt, you're going to be um, in better shape than when you're using a highly processed salt, just as in many of the things um, related to food, sticking to the, the natural ones. So I think the Himalayan salt is a great choice. Also, um, the Celtic sea salt, as I mentioned, that's also a good choice. Now, as far as Val asked if you should add it to warm water and drinking it for cleansing purposes. I'm not really certain specifically, you know, quote, cleansing purposes um, about the salt. Although, yes, people do say that the the Himalayan, you know, the, the Himalayan lamps, that sort of things are, quote, you know, healing purposes. I'm not really sure about, you know, drinking it for healing purposes. You know, maybe that's something that happens and I'm just not aware of it. I haven't seen research on that. But as far as like getting the the minerals through the salt, yes, I think that we can we can say that is um, something that can be beneficial. So what do you think, Melanie? I'm glad you brought up the Himalayan lamps. I didn't do any research on it specifically for this podcast, but I love my Himalayan lamps. I'm obsessed with Himalayan lamps and Himalayan candles. I don't know if they do anything, but they're everywhere in my apartment. <laughs> do you have any? You know, I don't have one. My son bought one years ago because he thought it looked cool and he had it in his room and then I guess he threw it away. They do look cool. They make me feel zen. It's probably all in my head, but whatever. So like I said, I did just finish reading The Salt Fix and I do recommend people check out that book. The author, James, and I have no idea how you say this. It sounds like Italian. D. Nicolantonio. I'm just going to call him James. So the author, James, goes into extensive research and great discussion about basically the idea that we, we kind of fear salt today and we see it as um, something we need to cut down. And he goes into all the studies about how that came about and a thesis about how we really... The, the, the white crystal we should be avoiding is sugar, not salt. I do recommend readers actually read that book. It was actually very interesting. So I'll put a link to that on ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. Although, of course, as with most authors, I'm realizing, or many books and authors, people tend to find one thing and get convinced and become convinced that it is the root cause of everything. <laughs> so like with the <laughs> plant paradox, lectins is the cause of everything like we talked about. So with this, it's like salt is the root cause of everything. Yeah, people tend to do that if you've noticed that, Jen. That, well, that is true. And that's there's rarely one cause for everything because our our bodies are very complex. <laughs> yes, but I've noticed that a lot in books. Yeah. Anyways, I did learn a lot about salt. So I will go into the very briefly into the specific types of salt. You brought up Celtic salt. So basically, I'll start with table salt, which is what most of most people use. So that is a refined version of salt. It only has two minerals, sodium and chloride. That's it. Everything else has been stripped away. And in addition to everything being stripped away, it also has anti-kicking agents typically added, which can include actually a form of sugar. Yeah, it really can. They actually do add um, sugars. I think it's I think it's a dextrose. Yes, dextrose. That's exactly right. So white table salt, 
is basically just sodium chloride with sugar. But the good thing about it is it does have added iodine. And modern diets are often deficient in iodine. We only need small amounts of it, but that said, we're still often deficient in it if we didn't take modern table salt. So if you cut out modern table salt, which I actually highly, highly recommend that you do, you need to make sure you're getting enough iodine. So you can do that with seafood is very high in iodine, uh, basically seafood. (laughs) Also cranberries, which is kind of random. But also as far as to what to replace it with and the Himalayan salt. So up until actually about this week, I had replaced table salt with Himalayan salt. But after reading the salt fix, I have now switched to Redmond salt, which I actually really recommend. Have you tried Redmond sea salt, Jen? You know, I've heard of it. I don't know that I've tried it. So this is really interesting. It's It's actually a sea salt from Utah. Okay. Do you know how? From the Great Salt Lake? Yeah. So it's mined from an ancient seabed. Okay. That's funny because I just bought some trace minerals that come from that same place. Oh, so that must be the place to be for minerals. I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So after researching all the salts and hearing James' breakdown of the salts, I think Redmond salt is probably the way to go. So I'll give listeners a brief breakdown of the nutrients in the different salts. Himalayan salt. Remember, listeners, how I said that table salt has two minerals? while Himalayan salt has 84 minerals and trace elements. So Himalayan salt has probably the most potassium of all of the natural salt alternatives, but that said, you don't really want to go to salt for potassium. I would recommend getting that from other food sources. Some other things about Himalayan pink salt, it doesn't tend to be too contaminated by toxic metals, which can be a problem, but it may have, and I don't want to scare people away, but it may have very trace amounts of radioactive components to it, but those are probably very tiny and not something you need to worry about. There's also Himalayan black salt, which I'm not going to talk much about, but basically it's an Indian rock salt, which apparently smells like rotten eggs, and it's only a few things that i I wouldn't recommend that. Um, (laughs) There's also lava salts from Hawaii, but I actually, I don't recommend those either. But then um, there's also the Celtic salts, which Jen talked about. And so those have 82 trace minerals in low quantities. They also likely have the highest magnesium levels of all the salt. I'm going to end with Redmond sea salt, which I definitely recommend the most. So Redmond sea salt is actually, it's slightly sweeter than Himalayan sea salt. And that's true. I actually tried it and it does taste sweet. I don't know where the, the sweetness is coming from, but it has around 60 trace minerals. It's highest in calcium of all the salts. A good thing about Redmond sea salt though, is it has 178 micrograms of iodine. So it's the highest in iodine of the natural salts. And by comparison, normal table salt has 450 micrograms of iodine. So it has not quite half um, normal table salt. So I would recommend if you nix table salt to go to Redmond salt. And it also lacks the any potential radioactive elements. Yeah. So I think that's probably the best. Yeah. That must be what Ruth um, meant by conflicting information. Oh, I think I've read be that it. before about the, and, and like whatever I read, Made me feel like it wasn't a problem. I don't know. Yeah, that, that could be what she's talking about. Yeah. So for listeners, I'll also I'll put a link to the Redmond sea salt that I'm using, which now I like really love on the website as well. I have podcast.com slash stuff we like. I'm staring at my Redmond sea salt right now. Does he recommend not using the Himalayan salt at all? No, or... no, no. He just okay. he just um actually he spent way 
less real estate to discussing the different types of salt than I thought he would. It kind of was just like a, a brief little section at the end. Um, but I think in his ranking, he would go Redmond and then Himalayan. But okay. just from everything, Redmond seemed to be the best. Okay. So it's not like avoid Himalayan No, no. He didn't really say anything. Right. He, 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 there were some negative things about the lava salts as well as the uh, – like the Himalayan black salt, but yeah, from his perspective, the uh, the Redmond was the way to go. And from my research, I'm thinking that's the way to go as well. Well, that's good info. And then also random tangent, you can brush your teeth with salt as well. Yeah, I've actually started doing that. <laughs> now, would it be too abrasive, do you think? Um, I wouldn't do it every day and just the salt. There are a lot of like tooth powders that you can make where you right. mix the salt with clays or baking soda. So yeah, but it is, it is interesting. That's how I realized it had a sweet taste. I tried brushing just like straight up with it and I was like, oh, it tastes sweet. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yes, I think we have adequately tackled the salt. <laughs> yeah. As with most things, it's better to, um, to choose the more natural version than the overly refined. I think we we find that with so many things. And I do think a lot of the problems with salt come actually probably come from having the refined version that we often use today. So I listeners, think you're right. switch it out for Redmond, maybe Himalayan. Just make sure you're eating some seafood for your iodine or getting iodine <laughs> some other way. I'm going to have to get it another way because I cannot eat seafood. I just can't. I, I like shellfish, but I just can't eat fish. No. I, I didn't I, used to either, and then my taste buds completely changed. Well, I just tried fish um, not last week or the week before that. It, you know, I do the subscription box deliveries, and one of them that I was trying, you don't get to customize your meals. You have to get what they give you, and um, I had to get either – you, you can be like either um, – omnivore or you can be herbivore or you can be you know whatever <laughs> they call it that they do right. <laughs> they even have a paleo plan but Love it. it was either the omnivore versus the um the carnivore you can do one or the other and in the omnivore plan there's, there was always fish and so the wait no the carnivore plan always has fish the omnivore one of them is vegetarian so one week I had to choose between getting a fish meal or getting a um it was like a cauliflower cake and I was like I don't want that either so I was like I'm going to try fish what again fish was it it was cod I love cod that's low toxin too and so I got the cod meal and I was like I was oh and it, it was all organic this is an organic company so I was very excited that I was going to try fish and I was going to love it and I was going to I'm grown up now I'm eating all these foods oh my gosh I was so upset I was mad I was <laughs> That's so interesting. I hated it. You know how when you eat your one meal a day, you want it to be really good? So it like ruined my day. And then I had a fight with my husband and it was all about that fish. Oh, so fish is not very pleasant in our, in your mind right now. I do not like – I mean the fight was because I was mad about the fish. I mean it was really, oh. you know. <laughs> but I can eat I can eat seafood as far as like shellfish. I can eat shrimp. I can eat crab. I can eat lobster. But that is it. I'm really just – I'm fascinated by the fact that you say that because like I said, I used to growing up did not like fish at all and now I eat it basically every night, all low-toxin yeah. wild-caught versions. So, But my, my freezer is like tilapia, cod, mahi-mahi, flounder, all the like low-toxin wild-caught fishes and oh, so good. Well, I've been so proud of myself and the vegetables that I'm now eating. Like I had Brussels sprouts and they were delicious. I mean I am really – 
enjoying vegetables I've never enjoyed before. So I was like, I bet I could do fish now. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. So maybe you have really awesome iodine levels in your body. It's just like you don't need that. There you go. We're going to go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> Hi friends, an incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. Okay, are we ready for our next yes, question? Yes, yes. These are long. We have two um, that kind of go together. The first one is from Sarah. 
and the subject is fasting and immunity. And Sarah says, Jen and Melanie, first off, thank you so much for this terrific podcast. It has been the most helpful and relatable resource I have found on intermittent fasting and a great motivator for the days when fasting feels more challenging. I love how you come to IF from different perspectives and have different approaches toward the foods you eat when you are feasting. I think you complement each other very well and that it gives the show a great balance. One question I have, if you have not covered it before, is how you found each other and decided to collaborate. I was interested as I noticed that you live in different parts of the U.S. So let's just answer that one first. Okay, perfect. I think this is kind of funny how this came about. So (laughs) I'd been wanting to do a podcast about intermittent fasting for probably three years. Um, And I was just, I knew I needed like the perfect co-host and the timing was just never right. And then when I signed with my literary agent, um, I told her that I was starting a podcast. So then I was... (laughs) basically committed. I was like, well, this has got to happen now. Um, so I had a little panic moment there. Um, she doesn't know that by the way that, okay. So anyway, now she does. (laughs) So I was like, I got to find a co-host. What do I do? So I started research going on Facebook and I was like, I'll just post in all of the intermittent fasting groups and try to find somebody who wants to start a podcast. So I went into Jen's one meal a day Facebook group and it was my I think it was probably my first post in that. Probably. Probably. And I tried to word my post to, I mean, I was not trying to sell my book, but I wanted to, I was not, like that was not my intention. Um, But I wanted to mention my book because I felt like it added um, credibility to why I wanted to start the podcast. So I wanted to say I had this book coming out in stores nationwide. So I'm not just like a random person. Not that random people can't start. Not that I... I feel like I'm coming off as not very um, humble right now. But basically, I wanted to have some credibility. That's what I'm going to say. So I posted in Jen's One Meal a Day Facebook group, gave a little bit of my background, said that I had a book coming out. I don't think I even put a link to my book. I just said that. No. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't want it to come off as I was trying to sell something. And I asked if anybody was interested in starting a podcast. And boy, people freaked out about that post (laughs) i was like okay this is the wrong facebook group people were like i think it is so rude that you are talking about your book in jen's facebook group and man people came to jen's um jen's defense well they did i remember that that day and i was like oh yeah I had to swoop in. Jen actually took down my post and kicked me out of the group. I did, well, I actually, I did take down her post and I was like, okay, what's happening here? Because people reported it. You know how oh, people man. report oh, posts. Oh, did they really? I didn't know that. Yes. But I immediately sent you a private message yes, yes, this is true. and this said, is true. hey, <laughs> I don't know if you saw, everyone just freaked out, but let's talk about this more. So Yeah. So actually, <laughs> so Jen was, yeah. It was just, I thought it was really funny. And then Jen. It was funny. So then, but from Jen's perspective, it was perfect timing because. Oh, I was going to let you talk about how. Uh, okay. <laughs> I had just been on a, on a podcast the week before, which is really funny. And I had never been interviewed for any reason, but I had been on a podcast and um, 
it was just someone in the group that had a, a political podcast, but they wanted me to talk about fasting on there. So I was a guest on their podcast and I spoke about fasting. And then, you know, my sister is a big podcast listener. So she said, you should do a podcast. And I was like, I don't even listen to podcasts and I don't know. And I'm like, could I do one? And then someone else in the Facebook group was like, you should do a podcast too. So I started thinking about it. Could I do a podcast? And I didn't know where to start or anything about it, but it was literally within that same week that I thought to myself, you know, maybe, maybe there should be a podcast and then boom, there's Melanie. It's crazy. <laughs> it is. So I was like, well, here is fate right here. Um, we were meant to be together to do a podcast. Yes. And then we had a phone call, talked it over. We talked. And I, I yeah. felt like I really related to you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We have very similar approaches to intermittent fasting, but then we also have different backgrounds and different approaches to diet, but we're still on the same page foundationally as far as like finding what works for you. And I don't know. I just feel like it works really well. I think so too. So that that was a great day. <laughs> I'm glad that you came into the group and I'm sorry that everyone freaked out a little bit, but <laughs> you know, it just makes me, it makes me laugh thinking back. Yeah, they're my tribe right there. So thank you to everyone. You have a very supportive group. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very supportive group. And I'm very blessed, grateful, fortunate, all of that. Because as we've grown to now over 31,000 members, um, you worry that you're going to lose that. And we have not. We've not lost that feeling. It's still very supportive. And we have people from all over the world who have different dietary approaches, but we support one another. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Well, I think you do a great job running that group for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really enjoy it. All right. Back to the rest of our questions. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No. All right. So back to back to Sarah's question. First, a bit of background on me. I am 36 years old and have been intermittent fasting intermittently since April of this year and about a month ago started getting more serious and consistent about it. I am currently doing at least a 16-8 fast most days, and that would be a 16-hour a um, fast with an 8-hour window, with two meals and trying to avoid snacking in between. I sometimes go up to 20-plus hours if the fast is going well and I don't feel hungry, and a few weeks ago, I decided to introduce a full day without food once a week. I tried two days once but broke by about hour 38 after opening and smelling a jar of peanut butter. Big mistake. I get the salty taste in my mouth some days, especially during the full day fast. So I assume my body has worked out how to produce ketones, though I do not test for this. I have been a healthy slash conscientious eater and regular exerciser for many years, and I do not have much weight to lose. I could stand to lose about five pounds of body fat, but I'm not too worried about it. I am principally focused on healing some gut-slash-digestive and skin issues. I am seeing huge improvements on both fronts. And long-term benefits I have read about, like cancer and Alzheimer's prevention, as both run in my family. As the winter months are approaching, we set the clocks back in the UK last night, and I think back to last winter when I had three terrible colds. I was wondering if you could speak to any research on the extent to which fasting may help to boost the immune system. Have you noticed any difference in how often you get ill since starting IF? Also, are there any other things you recommend to keep immunity up? I always get my flu shot, and this year I'm trying to regularly take anything I have heard may be immune-boosting. Manuka honey, 
fermented cod liver oil, other fermented slash probiotic foods, bone broth, etc., as I am really trying to avoid getting ill as many times as last year. Finally, when you are ill, do you stop fasting or double down to get over the cold or flu quicker? Thanks, Sarah. And then we have Catherine, who said what to do when sick. She says, hi, ladies, love the podcast. So I had been trying intermittent fasting for about three weeks when I came down with a terrible cold. Since I had not been on the program very long, I pretty much bailed and ate chicken noodle soup every hour. But it did make me wonder, if I had been doing this long enough to be with the program, what would you recommend when sick? I know fasting is a stressor. Do you temporarily stop fasting or would you make no changes? And what about cough drops? What can you take that's not full of sugar? P.S. I'm back in good health and back to fasting. So what do you say? Love these questions. So many things to address here. Fasting and immunity. So studies do show that fasting is great for immunity, great for the immune system. And I have noticed, I'll just start with anecdotally, I have noticed I got sick a so much less once I started intermittent fasting. Did you find that as well, Jen? Oh, yeah. So much. I mean, you know, I'm an elementary teacher, and so I get sick. Well, I did get sick a lot, you know, and teachers all around me come down with things, and I don't get them. I think the the key reason for that is likely basically when you're eating, you're taxing your system with energy going towards digestion, Um, whereas when you're fasting, all of your energy can go towards defense. (laughs) It can go towards your immune system and um, against invaders, and also when you eat. That also taxes the immune system because you are potentially taking in toxins, anti-nutrients, invaders. So there's a lot to deal with when you're eating. And so when you're out in the world and your body's dealing with eating, coupled with dealing with potential viruses and bacteria, it's just a lot for the body to deal with. Whereas when you're fasting, it just puts you in a very resilient mode. Studies have shown that fasting improves cell-mediated immunity and resistance, which is pretty cool. It also discourages negative inflammatory responses, and it also reduces oxidative stress and can increase stress resistance. So lots of good things. It also increases phagocytosis, which do you know what that is, Jen? Uh, I've seen the word. I can't define it. No. (laughs) So it's basically the process where our white blood cells, quote, eat bacteria and toxins and get rid of them. Our cells eating the bad cells in a way. And then to end on a super positive note, um, recent studies even suggest that fasting can encourage the creation of new immune cells, which is just so motivating and so amazing because it means that with fasting, there's the potential for generating new immune systems. And especially, I know we're talking about infectious disease right now, but that also relates to autoimmune conditions and degenerative diseases because if you can reprogram the immune system to not associate various proteins and different things, not confuse them with the body's own cells, then there that means that there's potential for intermittent fasting relieving autoimmune conditions as well. So yeah, so that's my that's my studies on fasting and the immune system. Did you have any other related studies beyond that? on that topic. No, there's there's one article that people always pass around on every intermittent intermittent fasting support group and that's what you said that you know the it's the headline is something like 3 days of fasting boosts and reboots your entire immune system. Is it Longo's thing? 
I think it's based on his work, yes. So, um, but people, it's it's like an article about that that you see pop up frequently. So, yes, um, I think that that we all do agree that there are, are lots of benefits to the immune system, you know, to fasting. And both Melanie and I have anecdotally seen in our lives that that we are healthier. You know, um, back to anecdotally, I was sick twice in um, what year is it? 2017. Now I was sick twice in 2016 only twice. And I have not been sick one single time in 2017. And it is, you know, almost November. So I have not been sick. And the only two times I was sick in 2016, it's kind of funny. I got a cold over Thanksgiving. I got a cold over Christmas. And both of those were times that I deviated from my regular fasting regimen. And of course, it's the time of year when people are passing a lot around, but I got a cold over Thanksgiving, I had a cold over Christmas, and I have not had any type of illness since then. Now, there have been a couple of times that I might have felt a little weird, and then I, I, I take something called olive leaf extract, which is great um, for working with or for killing, you know, bacteria, virus, whatever. That's what they say about it. Anyway, someone told me about it once at a health food store, and I put it in my arsenal and did some research about it. So I'll take some olive leaf extract and go to bed and wake up, and I'm perfectly fine. So... I haven't been sick for the whole year, so that's my anecdotal. <laughs> we'll put a link to the uh, the olive leaf extract on the website. And since we're talking about that, natural antimicrobials in general are really great. So like the olive leaf extract, I was going to bring up like garlic, for example, oregano. Um, oil of oregano is super potent and super powerful, especially if you feel like you're coming down with something. I love the the Gaia. I, think, I don't know if that's how you say it, Gaia, Gaia brand. That's the brand of olive leaf extract I use. That brand is, yeah, definitely amazing. Yeah. Um, so we'll put links to all of that, ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. Also, Monolaurin. Have you experimented with Monolaurin? I have not. I don't know what that so is. So it's it's basically the, um, I know I don't like refined things, but it's the uh, the active component of coconut oil. Oh, okay. The, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's the um, really super immune boosting part of that. So... Some people swear by that. I really love it as well. It's these little like, you swallow it whole. It's these little pellets. So that's that's great for the immune system. As, as far as other specific things. So Sarah, the things you mentioned are all fantastic. Manuka honey. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit with the cough drops. Fermented cod liver oil. With cod liver oil, if listeners don't like the way it tastes, you can actually rub it on your skin and it will um, be absorbed into your system. And I tried that the other day for the first time, and it was fascinating. So I rubbed it on my skin in the morning, and then later that evening, I got a fishy taste in my mouth. So I was like, wow, this clearly worked. Like, it absorbed into my system, which was very, oh, wow. in, very interesting. She also mentions fermented probiotic foods. Yes, I agree. And she mentions bone broth. Yes, we know that I am quite a bone broth fan here. I will say that she gets a flu shot. I'm actually not a huge fan of flu shots. I know that's a whole. I don't. I don't get them either. Yeah, I would. I'm not going to go on a super intense tangent about them, but basically, they address one specific strain of things. I would just. I don't know. I could get into a conspiratorial tangent, so I'm not even going. To, <laughs> I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> um, but I would not turn to flu shots for immunity, for sure. Um, I would just encourage you to avoid. Honestly, avoid processed foods and avoid toxic food supplies and eat whole foods that are nourishing, especially with those superfoods like Sarah discussed and what we just talked about. 
Also, you want to make sure that you're getting enough vitamin D. That's huge, huge, huge for the immune system. So getting natural sunlight or you can take it as a as an oil form. I like it when it's combined with K2, the thorn brand. I'll, I'll put a link to that. Shall we tackle the sickness aspect about whether or not you should fast when sick? Well, I'm just going to – I'll go briefly about that as far as just what we have found in the in the Facebook support groups. Basically – there's no one answer for that. Like, yes, you should always keep fasting through an illness or no, you should not. And really, I believe that you you see how you feel. Um, if you feel like eating is going to make you feel better, then eat something. If you feel like you can just fast through it, then do that. You know, we, we know that animals often fast when they don't feel well. And we just talked about the healing powers of fasting. But, you know, when I have been sick, you know, in the past, I do what I need to do to get better. And sometimes that includes breaking the fast and eating. Um, So I I really believe that it's a case-by-case basis. Um, If I had like a stomach virus, for example, I would eat as soon as I felt like I could could stomach it. And, of course, I haven't had a stomach virus in years and years and years. In fact, since way before I did intermittent fasting. So um, I don't have the experience with it. But I feel like I would eat if I felt like my body was asking me to eat and I would fast if I felt like I wanted to fast. That's where you learn. You really do know, I think, what feels right at the time. You you know, you'll know if if having that bowl of soup is what your body needs right then. So don't try to be a hero and force yourself to fast through a feeling where you feel like that you would feel better if you ate. That's just my my best advice to it. So what what do you have to say, Melanie? Yeah, I love what you said. What you just said is basically my what I was going to end with, my conclusion about doing what you oh, feel. I do have some very fascinating specifics about sickness and fasting, though. So you think that we would become hungry when we're sick? What better time to take in nutrients and take in energy than when you're fighting some invader inside of yourself? You think eating would be the thing all the time. But interestingly, when we become sick, often the immediate response of our body is to release cytokines, which act on the central nervous system, and those decrease appetite. Studies actually find often that force-feeding sick lab animals will actually decrease their survival time and increase death rates, which is pretty interesting. In one study, uh, they found that 5% of mice that hadn't eaten for three days died of an induced bacterial infection, while 95% of mice who had eaten died within 24 hours. So that's a pretty big difference. And so why is this? So have you heard the phrase, starve a fever, feed a cold? I have heard that. Do you know why, potentially, where that comes from? I bet you're going to tell me. I will. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just old grandma wisdom that. (laughs) Not quite. Uh, Or I mean, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because grandma pretty much was wise. We have to agree. You know, that that grandma wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. No, like all those old wives tales and such are oftentimes there's something to them. We're like, oh, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't necessarily know the scientific reasoning, but there's usually something to them. And there might be something to this one which is pretty interesting. So here's what it may be. So starving a fever. So fevers typically arise due to bacterial infections. And so starving 
or fasting has been shown to upregulate a certain type of immune cell called T2 cells, and those are particularly important for fighting bacteria. And then feeding a cold, colds often manifest in the form of viruses, and eating actually upregulates T1 cells, which are specifically important for fighting viruses. Oh, so wow. it, that might be the reason. I just think that's sort of fascinating. Isn't that interesting? That is very cool. So grandma was right. She didn't know why. I know. But there's a <laughs> twist ending. Oh, okay. So that works pretty well historically. However, viruses are very, not smart, but they're very resilient and they adapt and as do cancers. And basically now viruses Studies have shown that they might be able to actually hijack the system and induce a psychological lack of hunger to make you not hungry when you actually should be eating to fight them. So yeah, things become a little bit tricky. But some other reasons, I'll just go and just mention some other things, the reasons that fasting may be good while sick. Um, It can reduce nutrient resource availability for pathogens. So True, you might be, quote, starving yourself, but as we know, intermittent fasting doesn't necessarily starve us, but it could starve the pathogens inside of you, which are causing you to be sick. And then um, we talked earlier about how it can enhance immune function. Basically, the takeaway is I think exactly what Jen said, and it's basically just be intuitive. I, I honestly recommend when you're sick to forget intermittent fasting. Like, don't count windows. Don't, no, please don't count windows. Don't count hours. Just do what your body says, which is probably yep. going to tell you to sleep a lot. <laughs> and then when, if you're hungry, please eat food. And if you're not right. hungry, don't eat food and don't stress. That's exactly what we always recommend to people because you've got to get yourself better. And, and your body, I've found that my body lets me know if I need to eat or if I don't. Now, um, Catherine also asked about cough drops. And, you know, as you're recovering, if you're coughing a lot, then, yeah, you know, people – rely on those cough drops. But there are other things you can do during that process. For example, back to the the salt in the hot water, that's really a good um, choice for that. Put the salt in the hot water and, and drink that, and it's very soothing to your throat. So The Redmond um, salt. <laughs> there you go. Have that Redmond salt <laughs> or Himalayan or salt Himalayan. in your hot water, and that could help. But, you know, people always ask about medication and what should I do about that, and Basically, you have to do what you have to do to get better. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting. Have you read the studies on comparing honey to, like, cough medicine? I don't think I've read studies about it, no, but I would guess. Tell me if I'm right. I would guess that the honey is actually better. You would guess right. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, it's got so many great properties. And there's been a ton of studies. I was kind of shocked, like a ton. And they all find very almost the same thing. They often actually find that like common cough medicines um, aren't even effective compared to placebo, yeah. which is very interesting. I believe that. And then on top of that, they're filled with all of this just like chemically stuff that I just don't think you want in your body. Yeah, I think so too. I agree with that. Yeah, honey's been shown to be actually very, very effective for treatment of cough, especially in children. Or, I mean, really, go back to grandma. You know, when I was coughing as a child, she'd put that Vicks Vapo rub all over my chest. And, or even, like, people say put it on the bottom of your feet and then put on socks. I don't know. That, that just might be a, another wives' tale. But the Vicks Vapo rub, I think, I remember it being very soothing. Because I used to get the croup all the time when I was a kid. 
You get what? The croup. That sounds like a horror movie. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. Is it just what we call it here in the South, the croup? That's so scary. It's like a cough where you sound like a seal. You know, that seal bark cough. Oh, I do know that sound. Well, we called it the croup. I don't know. Did we just make that up or is that a thing? Doesn't that sound scary? Like, because I've never heard of that. Well, it does. Yeah. I always had the croup. I mean, maybe that's just a, a Southern thing. I don't know. I've never yeah. heard of that. But I would always get that kind of cough. And so Vicks VapoRub, there it would be. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So honey, honey, I will say if you are going to do honey, which I do recommend, don't get the uh, the pasteurized process honey in the cute little bear bottle. Um, no. That's basically just sugar. <laughs> you want to get raw forms and particularly mm -hmm. Sarah mentioned Manuka honey. There's tons and tons and tons of studies on Manuka honey and it's antimicrobial health boosting benefits. And then other forms of honey, buckwheat honey has been shown to be very, very antimicrobial. So if you want to go the cheaper route, I would go the buckwheat. And I could go into a huge tangent about the differences because actually the active compound in Manuka honey is different than the compounds in most raw honeys that fights illness and infection. But in any case, they're both very effective. So I definitely recommend those. You want to get raw versions. You can go to like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's. They have lots of honeys there. So definitely honeys. I love what Jen said about the salt water. And we talked about the salt in the beginning. Other random things you can do. Mixing honey with garlic has been shown to be very, very, very potent. Also, did you know, Jen, in Germany, thyme is actually an officially government approved treatment for coughs time yeah. like the the herb mm -hmm. huh no i didn't i actually don't even like time so i always throw it away if it comes in my meal kits isn't that funny you should be saving it up for uh... i should save it i just, i throw it in the garbage because yeah. i don't like <laughs> it but you know i can actually now that you think about it it does have that slightly medicinal, medicinal. smelt yeah. yeah maybe that's <laughs> yeah interesting also like ginger and black pepper um, turmeric milk is a thing. If you do that, though, I'd actually recommend that you use goat milk, which is probably going to be less mucus promoting. So yeah, so there's lots of natural alternatives you can go to. And in the end, they're likely going to be way more effective than like cough drops, cough drops or cough medicine. So although I do like how, how much like NyQuil can knock you out. I guess that's a benefit. <laughs> you know, those things that like make you go to sleep, they don't work for me. They don't. Anything like a NyQuil or... Does Benadryl not make you? Oh, God, no. It makes me crazy and like awake in a way that I will never sleep again, but I'm also not awake. It's like a weird in-between. I could actually take... When I used to have allergies, I would take Benadryl during the day and I just felt weird, but it didn't make me sleep. But if I try to take it at night, like a Tylenol PM or something, I'm like going to be awake all night. Oh, Wow. I'm the opposite. That was always my go-to, like, I need to sleep, take the Benadryl. NyQuil would knock me out like none other. And then you're in like a nope. Benadryl hangover the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not me. I'm, I just can't do it. So, Well, Jen, we had a lot more questions planned, but sh it looks like we're running up in an hour. Shall we save them for next week? I, I guess we shall. We've got some good ones coming up next week. So... Stay tuned. All right, everybody. A few things before we end. If you'd like to get any of those cough remedies we talked about, any of those natural products, if you'd like to get any of the salts, the salt fix, the red light, 
any of the stuff. Um, like I said, you can go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and it is all listed there. And if it is not, please let me know. I actually had somebody on Twitter tweet me the other day, and they were like something about how we, I had mentioned something on the podcast, and it was not on the stuff we like page. So, ah. so yes, if it's not on the stuff we like page, tweet me, email me, Instagram me, and I will put it on the stuff we like page. Also, if you'd like show notes for this episode, those are also on that website. So you can go to iapodcast.com slash episode 30, and all of the show notes will be there. And then if you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, we would love to hear them ever so much. So there are two ways you can do that. You can do it at that website, which I keep talking about. You can also directly email us at questions at ifpodcast.com. This is a super random tangent. I find that like 80% of the people do it through the website and like 20% directly email, which is just interesting. Yeah. That would be the other way around, but um, most people go through the website. Lastly, if you're on iTunes, you can actually subscribe to our podcast and then you will get the episodes downloaded automatically. You won't even have to do anything. They'll just pop up on your iPhone. If you are on iTunes, if you have a brief moment to write a review of the podcast, even if it's just like one sentence, that would be so appreciated. We would really love that. It helps so much more than you can ever know. We really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, and we, I really appreciate all the emails that we get and the feedback. I just really appreciate it all so much. So any final thoughts from you, Jen? No, I think that's it. It was a great episode and I know we've got some good questions coming up next week. So everybody listen in. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, I will see you next week. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.